What's going on, beautiful people of the world? Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. This is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I, and I am very, very excited to bring you guys once again the best lifestyle news and analysis around the combat sports world. Edson Barbosa got an excellent win over Super Sadiq Yusuf this past weekend. Guardieri gets knocked out. I know all my Germans, all my Italians are real pissed off about that. But Janabek is rising. It's time. New Kazakhstani GOAT. Then, of course, we've got some great trash talk between Devin Haney, Regis Probery, and much more coming your way on this week's edition of DQ with Damani. Let's get into it. So, everything I said in last week's episode has been proven correct. I told you guys that Gualtieri's guard was going to be the issue. I said it, I said it, I said it, and I made sure that I put major emphasis on each time he threw a shot. I told you guys, and it came to pass. Janabek slapped that boy into next week. He got cooked. He got his ass cooked. He got cooked. You didn't go down like that, huh? He got cooked. I think the best shot of the night were the uppercuts because every single time Janabek was able to land that uppercut, he rocked him. And the ref stepped in, hesitated. He's like, well, wait, I'm not sure if I want to call it, but I'll let him wobble around the ring for a little while. Wait, but but, but, but I might call it. I might call it. Wait, actually, no, never mind. Let's let him keep fighting. The ref, he had no idea what to do because Gualtieri, just about every single time he was caught with either a lead or a rear hand uppercut, he got rocked and rocked bad. I don't think I've seen someone fight like that at 160 in a long time. And this is exactly why I kept telling you guys, as far as Kazakhstanis go, Janabek is up next. Triple G paved the way. Let's not sugarcoat it. He most definitely paved the way. But Janabek is up next. Triple G hasn't officially retired, but now we're seeing stuff of him doing commercials for his energy drink. And people are talking about how he's out of shape, how Triple G got lazy. And it's pretty safe to say that he might not be coming back. But I do disagree with the fact that he's lazy. That man has been cutting weight his entire life. That man has been cutting weight since he was five years old. I'm not hearing Triple G is lazy. I'm not hearing he has no work ethic. I'm not hearing, oh man, he wants to ride off into the sunset. He doesn't deserve it. I'm not hearing any of it. I'm sorry, y'all. I have to keep it 100. That man deserves a break. And if he doesn't want to fight anymore, I won't be mad at it. That man is in his 40s. Nobody, unless you genuinely love the sport and you truly have dedicated yourself to it, such as Triple G, You don't want to be fighting in your 40s, man. There are so many people like Jared Anderson who have said, I'm not going to be here forever, man. I don't plan on boxing my entire life. But Triple G did. Triple G quite literally has boxed his entire life. Canelo, same exact thing. Turned pro at 15 years old. Amateur younger than that. He's been boxing his whole life. These guys deserve rest. And Janabek, now that he has collected two belts... He is most definitely up next. He is representing the new generation of not just Kazakhstanis, but fighters who apply 100% day in and day out. He loves this. And I can tell that he's of the exact same cloth. He wants to dedicate his entire life to this. And I won't be mad at him if he becomes undisputed and he makes all of this a reality. 
If you guys remember correctly, the very first time I ever talked about Janabek on the show last year, I talked about how I really enjoy his work with his rear hand. And this is no different. We already discussed the rear hand uppercut in the earlier section, but now I think it's time to talk about, once again, the fact that he starts a lot of his combinations with his left hand. As a southpaw, it's very important that you keep your left hand busy. Obviously, your lead hand is just about always going to be your starter, but that mostly applies for orthodox fighters. We're seeing now a lot of southpaw fighters beginning to do a whole lot more work with their left hand. Their left hand is way more busy. Shakur Stevenson is another example of this. Very, very busy when he's in southpaw. These guys know how to work. And I think that it's important that we continue to analyze this because we're seeing a paradigm shift in boxing live in front of our very eyes. And I don't think a lot of people find this something worthy to talk about, but I most certainly do. That's why week in, week out, I tell you guys, this is the home of the best boxing, combat sports, lifestyle, news, and analysis. Emphasis on analysis right now. Because more likely than not, this is probably going to be some of my best analytical work on this show. Starting off with the place finder and distance management, I think that this is something that needs to be taught more often with the rear hand. You're going to see guys very, very often doing this with their lead. They're going to step in, use their lead hand as their range finder. But Janabek flips it. He takes this technique and flips it and uses his rear hand as a guide. Leaves his rear hand out there in front of your face so that your guard is high and busy. He can shoot a body shot. He can shoot a hook looping around your guard. All because he's smart and keeps you busy with his rear hand. He's giving you a look. He's saying, look, I think you're going to respond to my rear hand being in your face. You're either going to try to counter as if it's a real shot when all I'm doing is leaving it out there for you to see. Or you're going to switch your guard, which gives me an opportunity to land an even bigger shot than I had originally planned. This is important. This is truly the sweet science at its finest. And once again, I think this is a highly underrated skill. So please lock in as I'm discussing this. The rear hand has so many functions. The rear hand most often is going to be your power hand. Almost 90% of the time, the rear hand is your power hand. But if you're using it to measure distance, that gives your opponent the idea that you're loading up a shot when you really aren't. All you're doing is measuring how far you are from your opponent. You're saying, well, okay, I know I'm here. I know I'm here. Then I could finally pop the shot. I am safe enough to pop that shot. I know that if he's going to stumble forward before or after I throw it, I'm going to be able to land a counter and duck straight out of range, which is precisely what Janabek was able to do against Guatieri. He was having such a difficult time closing distance against Janabek because of this. The rear hand made him work. It forced him to burn energy moving around the ring. And this became extremely evident after he got hurt. He was already tired. It was the sixth round. He's already on weak knees because he's been chasing this dude around the ring, backing up, circling around the ring the entire time, when now he has to close distance. He has to bridge a shot across the line, and he can't do it. Regis Progre, Devin Haney. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. Just take a listen to this. I I, I don't even got to say too much. I'm to watch this kid. Okay, listen. You're a track kid. You're a runner. You're a runner. You're a runner. You're a runner. You've been running. You've been running this whole career. From what? You're not going to be able to run. You're not going to be able to run, bro. You're not going to be able to run. Okay, tell us why you didn't fight Shakur. Tell us why you didn't fight Shakur. Tell us why you didn't fight Shakur, bro. Nigga, I see Shakur offer, and now I'm fighting this bum-ass nigga right here. You ran into the biggest monster of all. You ain't happy that I'm fighting him? You ran into the biggest monster of all. He got a bum-ass fighter. Stop lying to this man. We gonna see. This nigga's a bum. I'm telling you the truth. I'm a man. The truth I'm is that your son be running. Yo, you got a hell of a running from what? Yo, you got a hell of a That's the yeah, truth. Stop lying to him. This nigga is trash. You won't be surprised on December the No, we're not gonna be surprised. Oh, oh, you, you, you said some shit too. I'm gonna tell you what you said. Stop trying to, stop trying to, stop that, stop with that soft shit, dog. Listen, 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 listen. Oh my God. Listen, listen. Yes, you have. You have, because you took the fight. You took the fight. Fight is for child abuse. That's just gonna be served. Then you said he flat-footed. Who gonna be flat? He gonna be flat on his motherfucking back. That's what's gonna happen. I'm done. Go ahead, Regis. Talk to him. Dude. Go ahead, Regis. Talk to this nigga. Regis. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking talk about. To talk to this nigga, bro, please. You, please you, talk to him. Y'all delusional. They're delusional. delusional. We don't even know you. Where, the where's boxing the head trainer? No, you can't where's the head trainer at? The boxing world knows, knows, bro. Back, uh, background, knows backstage. He knows about you. You ain't. You can't take no. You got hurt. You're not going to be taking the reinforcement this, already. You're not going to take this onslaught. You want to start with a challenger? Yeah. You got invited up here, man. Man, no, you, you, you need to recognize. You know who the champion is. That's your problem. You're delusional, bro. We're going to show you. I'm conducting myself. Go ahead, challenger. Do your thing. Invited? We're the champion. What are you talking about? Absolutely. Nobody. You understand that, right? Did anybody want to fight y'all? You got a plan. You had a plan. You, how, hard, how hard was it for you to get a fight? Keep talking, track coach. No. How hard Keep was talking, it? track coach. Okay. Listen, you want to talk about track coach. And your son, the runner. You've been running the whole fucking time. Running where? What are you talking about? Fuck out. That's what we invited you How about that? That's what you're going to try. Talk, challenger. That's what you're going to try. Talk. Shut up, nigga. You want to have your fighting. Fuck out. You're a private school kid. Fuck you talking about challenger. Who taught you that? Huh? Who taught you that? You were, you're a private school kid, right? You're a private school kid, right? You're a private school kid. Nigga, fuck out of here. You're a private school kid. Listen, you're dealing with real men. You're dealing with real men from the fucking bottom. And we're going to bust your ass. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to watch. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You ain't. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Let me call it Tank. You're dealing with real men from the fucking bottom. And we're going to bust your ass. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to watch. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You ain't. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Let me call it Tank. So I call Tank. That's why we invited him. Call who the fuck you want. You've been running call your who whole you career, Haney. Call who you want. He can't you, listen. Bell, 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 listen, listen. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, Tank, listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get real here. Let's get real. Pops to Bill Haney for building the career of his son. You motherfucker. You've been running the whole time. Go ahead, sir. I'm going to be quiet. Well, be quiet then, nigga. Let him talk. Okay. Talk. Pounder in the world. He's been knocking people out. We got 29 victories. 25 knockouts. That says a lot. And over here, we got Devin Haney, who hadn't fought anyone. He has 20, he has 30 fights. 
he knocked out. He knocked out fifteen. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some. Never even heard of you. I'm gonna give you. Okay, I'm gonna give you some stats right now for your ass. Devin Haney had thirty fights. He knocked out fifteen bums. Okay. He only had. He only had. He only had four fights. I'm prepared. He gonna knock your ass out. He had four fights. I said you, nigga. You ain't knocked nobody out. You try. You gonna pull up some stats. Pull up your stats. Four fights. He couldn't. He couldn't get rid of ages. Uh, Lenars, he got he lost to he lost to Lomachenko, he couldn't do shit with uh, Jojo Diaz, and he snuck in and got a win over uh, Cambosis. So what the Haney's they 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 like vultures they like vultures they sit around and they wait for somebody to make a mistake. So what we have? He knocked on your door. Get the stretcher ready. Right. Get the stretcher ready. Right. He said he was surprised. Get the stretcher ready. Right. We surprised? That's what though. We surprised? We did it for New Orleans and every fly, light skin. Yes. Camps are pretty heated. Regis Progray, he is really taking a back seat, not allowing any of the trash talk to affect him. But his coaches are very heated. As you guys just heard there, in all of that coverage, Regis Progray has a lot to deal with. He's got Bill Haney in one ear, Devin Haney in the exact same ear, his entire team in the other ear and he's stuck right in the middle he's not even speaking for himself he's completely fallen to the wayside in terms of going back and forth with this team he's like hey i'm gonna mentally check out i'm gonna let you guys argue when it comes time on december 9th to showcase exactly why i am one of the best 140 pounders on the planet if not the best 140 pounder on the planet no one can doubt me I decided to step up and talk then inside the ring instead of talking during this press conference like everyone else is choosing to do. However, Devin Haney does not see things the same way. He's going to let you know that you are inferior to him in every single way inside and outside of the ring. He's going to let you know he's going to outclass you and do it effortlessly. That is the method of which Devin Haney is operating from. That method is absolutely effective with opponents that he has faced in the past but whether or not it's going to be effective against Regis Progray we will have to see on December 9th. Boo Boo does not sound very happy with the current situation at 168 pounds. We know that the guys at super middleweight are waiting their turn everybody's got an interim belt or they're just taking placeholder fights while Canelo cleans house but Boo Boo Android is not one of those men. He is saying, hey, you've ducked me at 154. 
You've dug me at 160. It's time for you to fight me. You're fighting every other fighter up and down these weight classes except for me. When is it going to be my turn? When am I going to get that shot? And I know for a fact that if I beat David Benavidez on November 25th, I have to be up next. That is what Boo Boo is saying. When he's fighting undisputed at 154, like that makes you the best? Because I, I guarantee you nobody at 154 is looking to go fight David Benavides. Nobody at 154 is looking to fight Demetrius Andrade. I get the stake. Oh, I'm fighting Canelo. Yeah. And Canelo's like, yeah, I'm going to get the smaller guy. I'm gonna but why hasn't he made that happen with me during 154, 160, now it's from 68? And also David, when he was champion, he lost it on the on the scale. Canelo sees the, seek the opportunity, and that's what makes him um undisputed he didn't beat the man that we about to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with so therefore he is still one of the he is considered the best 168 pounder okay look as a canelo fan as someone who is a very big supporter of the grasa community you guys know i don't play about our culture Black and brown culture, especially in relation to things such as boxing, is very important to uphold. But I do have to admit that Canelo taking on Jermel Charlo isn't enough. If people really want to find out who the best 168-pounder is, fighting guys from other weight classes is not the way to do it. And I think that a lot of people are forgetting that. While I do have to say that that fight was major, it brought in millions of millions of millions of dollars and people around the world together. It did. Yes, it achieved that goal. But what it did not do was completely answer the question, who is the best 168 pounder on the planet? We have guys in line. This isn't a situation where we're at 140 pounds. We don't really need guys in line because we have all of the players stacked. All of the cards, all of the players stacked on top of one another. So we know we've got Ryan. We know we've got Teofimo. We know we've got Regis. We know we've got Devin, who we can also count at 135, although we're not sure whether or not he's going to go back down. We have all of those people stacked. So we know that these guys who take on one another... The result of all of those people coming together, whether that's on one card or multiple cards throughout a year or two, we're going to have that round robin. At 168, we don't have that. We do not. We have guys standing and waiting in line for a shot at a title. We don't have one, two, three, four, five. Those five guys are the absolute best in the weight class, and we know that for a fact. We don't have those concrete answers here at 168. And I think that that's a massive issue. Every other weight class, we can say off the top of our heads, who's who, where do they rank? 168, we don't have that. We don't. That luxury does not exist. And I feel like that is what's holding back the division, along with the fact that Canelo is steady fighting other people. Imagine, just for a moment, that before David Benavidez lost his belt on the scale, that Canelo was able to fight him and win, lose, whichever. Just just in an alternate timeline, in a different world, how strange it would be for people to say, oh, no, you didn't fight the best when he did. All of these conversations surrounding Canelo not fighting the best would have been avoided if only, if 
only he fought Benavidez because now this is going to be something that follows him his entire career. If Canelo retires and does not fight Benavidez, I promise you guys, that is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. People are always going to be hounding him. Why didn't you fight David? Why didn't you fight the Mexican monster? Why didn't you fight El Bandera Roja? Why didn't you fight him? Just depressing news from the corner of boxing and MMA right now. 1986 to 2023, Showtime is officially shutting down all combat sports at the end of this year. Now, this is just horrible news. Steven Espinosa, I, I I know for a fact that he doesn't want to make this move. And I'm I don't even want to get into all the Amazon Prime rumors that people have been discussing because yes, this is starting to get crazy. People are saying that Showtime and boxing, all of its MMA programming are going to be moving over to Amazon Prime, which I don't believe right now. I'm gonna need to see some serious paperwork something getting leaked or something like that in order to support that theory. But for right now, I just want you guys to stop focusing on the money. Stop focusing on DAZN saying, oh, we might put up 500 million to acquire this, to acquire that. People are more focused on the monetary value of Showtime going out of business rather than focusing on the fact that they're going out of business, period. People are not understanding that this is not small. This isn't small. When HBO boxing shut down in the 2010s, people lost their minds. This new generation has absolutely no idea what Showtime boxing has done for the sports world as a whole. Not even just combat sports, just sports, period. Showtime revolutionized how people see boxing through Floyd Mayweather. After Floyd left top rank and made his way over to Showtime, he changed the way boxing was viewed socially, 100,000%. Earlier, I discussed how Triple G reshaped boxing for Eastern Europeans. In America, that is exactly what Floyd did. Floyd took boxing from being a blue-collar sport, the low-class sport, the same type of qualities that would be attributed to football, especially in places such as England, in places such as Brazil. The way that they view football, 100,000%, I promise you, people from the old generation, even creeping more into the early 2000s, you ask anybody, they will tell you that they saw boxing as a lower class sport. The hardworking man willing to get his hands dirty is who performed in that ring in front of thousands of people. Floyd completely flipped the script. He said, you know what? You can come into this sport and rob the bank. You can rob the bank. You can take all of these people's money and laugh your way back to the bank while you deposit all your funds. I'm going to teach you how to do it. He changed the game. Showtime going in depth covering his camps changed the game. All of his speeches, hanging out with 50 Cent hanging out with Snoop Dogg, hanging out with every celebrity and rapper under the sun. It's cool to be a boxer, bro. He changed it. And I don't understand why now that people are just focusing on what the next move is. Don't focus on what the next move is. Mourn the loss of a boxing giant. 
because we're never going to be able to get this back. People right now are still scrambling to find photographical and videographical evidence of all the stuff that HBO boxing was doing because of how wonderful it was. People want that golden age of boxing coverage to come back. They need it. But there's no way we're going to be able to achieve that if we're losing Showtime, which has been in operation since 1986, covering boxing since 1986. It's over. As a community, we're, we're, we're done. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to recover from this. I think that while DAZN has been putting on great fights, it just doesn't have the same taste. There's there's no way we're going to be able to get this back. We're losing a massive part of our history and we're just letting it go and acting as if, yeah, we're, we're going to be able to recuperate. No, we're not. We're not. Steve Farhood. Where, where, where are we going to get another Steve Farhood from? I want you people to think about that. Where are we going to get another Steve Farhood? Where? That's not happening. Nobody, nobody at top rank is producing that. Nobody at the zone is producing that. Although I do have to admit Top Rank has in business has been in business for a long time, but the the same level of quality that Showtime was producing it's just it's just not the same. And I and I feel really 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 bad for all the guys who work there right now because they know come December they don't know whether or not they're going to be working in the sport anymore. And it it's 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 a horrible reality to have to face. And I hope that no matter what happens with Steven Espinosa or Al Heyman or any of the top dogs, that all of the people on the bottom are able to make it out safely and find job security. I really hope that that is what comes to pass come the end of this year. Because if we have a whole bunch of displaced people in the sport, that just makes things worse. That makes things way, way worse. And I And if you can't see that, I don't think that Combat sports and combat sports media is where you need to be focused right now. I think you need to head on over to Vince McMahon's <laughs> head on over to Vince McMahon's platform because this is this is horrendous. This is a horrible, 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 horrible week for boxing. And to make matters worse, this isn't just affecting boxing. This is affecting all combat sports programming that Showtime has been releasing. So while I'm telling you guys about boxing, all of the guys over at the MMA department who work for Bellator, they are freaking out for the exact same reason. They don't know where they're going to be at the end of December. When the year wraps up, all of the guys who put in their heart and soul every ounce of energy into producing the best combat sports content for Showtime across both MMA and boxing, these guys are losing it. I promise to all of you, and I've made a whole lot of promises this episode, but I know for a fact that I'm going to be able to keep my word on all of them. I promise you, if you were to get a hold of anyone who works in that office, they will tell you that they hate this decision. They will. Because they've been doing great work for Bellator. Bellator... I can remember very, very fondly the early days of Bellator, back when they originally first became a competitor to the UFC and all of the other combat sports leagues outside of boxing. 
they were a small, small, small little thing. And as they grew, it made me very happy. Guys such as Eddie Alvarez crossed over. People such as Kevin Holland got their start at Bellator. And people don't even realize that. And when Bellator finally inked a major deal outside of Spike, because I, I remember for a while they were with Spike, but they got that deal with Showtime, everybody rejoiced because they're saying, yes, finally, the UFC is going to have to work hard. Of course, they, 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 they ended up getting their deal with ESPN+. Plus. But regardless, it was amazing to watch Bellator come into its own over time like that. And be able to give these guys massive paydays, have massive tournaments where these guys are able to feed their families. It was beautiful. And now all of those guys are like, damn, we really got to go network hunting. Some of those guys, they, they might like it. Like I already said, for the guys who work at Showtime Championship Boxing, those guys might just be out of a job, period. Just done. Just completely just phased out. It's it's. It's really disheartening to see the massive, massive destruction of a foothold, a pillar in the community. It breaks my heart. And I, I personally never thought that I would be able to see this in my lifetime. I thought that Showtime and all of the companies slash networks that exist right now were going to be pushing forward for the foreseeable future. I thought that that would happen after I pass, truthfully, that my children and grandchildren would see brand new networks in brand new promotions. I, th I genuinely had faith in the system, but I guess now it's, it's, it's waking me up. It's, it's making me and pretty much the entire combat sports community, not just boxing, understand that nobody's safe. In this business, no one is safe. Absolutely no one. Battle of the Baddest, Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury is this weekend. We are in fight week and, oh man, the promo that these guys have been doing for this fight has been absolutely amazing. Mike Tyson in pretty much every single commercial for this fight. Making sure that the people from the old generation are still able to connect with the new fighters of the modern era is beautiful. I love that. I love that we're bridging the gap between the generations because there are a lot of people who are frustrated saying that boxing isn't the way that it used to be. Combat sports as a whole isn't the way that it used to be. We could say the same thing for international wrestling. A lot of guys are saying, hey man, these guys with their big on-map personalities are way different than the way that guys would approach the sport from our time. What makes you guys think that you could just walk in and just change this you need to respect tradition you need to maintain that exact same form that we maintain in our day but obviously as we can tell across wrestling across mma and even now into boxing people are shaking things up a lot of new players with or without influence are seeing that this sport can be changed boxing can be changed wrestling can be changed MMA can be changed. Jiu-Jitsu even now can be changed. People's like, ob obviously, you know, people are going to say what they want to say about Gordon Ryan and the whole steroid situation, but Gordon Ryan is one of those people who is revolutionizing the sport. He is changing Jiu-Jitsu for the better. 
That is a fact. Now, obviously, this fight is major because not only is this a crossover fight, this will be, I believe, the first time that a heavyweight champion from boxing will be fighting the current. You can make whatever arguments you want to say about John Jones, whether or not he has the belt. Obviously, we know Stipe is supposed to be falling out because of the pec injury. That's that's a long situation that we'll be addressing later. But the current, in quotes, heavyweight champion of the MMA world will be fighting the current heavyweight champion of the boxing world. It's going to be great. A lot of eyes are on it. And I think that this can do major things for both sports. People are pissed that Tyson Fury took this fight. I spoke on that specifically on this show twice already. Two different episodes I spoke on it. And I do have to say that the way that they're handling the fight, the delicate nature of this fight, helped me see this differently. It really did. Because initially, I was confused as to why Tyson Fury turned that fight down, the undisputed fight with Alexander Usyk down to fight the MMA champion, to fight the UFC undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Why would you do that? You have all four belts, technically five, in your possession if you win that fight. But you would rather take a fight for notoriety. And then as time passed and I started to see the, the media roll out and the way that these guys were speaking about the fight, both Francis and Tyson, in their respective press conferences, I began to realize that this is good for both sports. I was, I was more frustrated with the fact that the division was being put on hold for a spectacle like this. But then I, I realized we don't get to see this very often. This is much different than... YouTube boxing, influencer boxing, most valuable promotions, Jake. But this this is way different than all of that foolishness. This is a true crossover fight. Imagine in the 90s, you had a fantasy fight like Boss Rutan versus Mike Tyson. The two most dominant fighters in their respective eras. Or Vitor Belfort versus Mike Tyson. Imagine that. This is our generation's version of that, but it is real. It's not a fantasy fight. This is very much real. This is a tangible thing that we can participate in as opposed to just dreaming about it, saying, what if these guys fought? What if we had James Tony and Dan Hendo fight? What, what, what about it? These are all what ifs, but we have access to this fight. So I think now, obviously, we should be supporting it a bit more. Initially, like I said, I didn't feel that way because I was just frustrated with the fact that the heavyweight division was being put on hold. And I talk about this all the time. I don't like the fact that these divisions are being put on hold for fights that make zero sense. So I got caught between two conflicting ideals. It got a little mixy. I, I kind of realized it at the midpoint right around the time when they started getting in front of the camera and actually talking, I realized that these guys were actually taking this this seriously. Francis was taking this seriously. Francis, he really wants to go out there and box. 
he is taking this with the most absolute pure focus he is locked in i don't think i've seen francis this locked in since he left the ufc he's been doing a whole lot of media stuff over in france back in his native country he's been doing a whole lot of media stuff and and trying to build his community up but he dropped all of that and said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna focus because if i go out there and i can prove to everyone that i can box i win whether or not i win the fight i still win because i proved that a mma fighter can once again go into the boxing ring where it is limited it is limited this is a fact and still show i can box the limitations of not being able to kick not being able to elbow the points of striking are just not there two-point striking versus eight-point striking in mma he's limited if you can't if you can't understand what i'm talking about then gotta get some study in it gotta get some study in it please listen to the way that these guys are talking this is going to be a crazy fight i'm excited i'm excited for it but just focus on uh i'll October personally 28. i'll beat you in the boxing ring just and focus then I'll kick on your ass in the cage. and then we'll see after 100 percent. i'll beat you at boxing i'll beat you in a cage no problem no bro no problem focus 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 no, on boxing no problem for right now best at boxing and i'll beat him in a cage fight no two ways about it just as i was talking about the rasa community earlier december 2nd houston texas ryan garcia oscar duarte it's gonna be a crazy crazy one down south i hope you guys are excited for that one i know for a fact that people are very disappointed with ryan garcia's performance against tank i know i know i told all the ryan fan girls and fan boys that that kid was gonna get hurt nobody wanted to listen to me everybody put their money on it and everybody lost money some of y'all lost your houses some of y'all lost your dogs some of y'all lost your nice cuban link chain but me all i lost was a little bit of oxygen when i was laughing at y'all because i told you so but this time around you guys may have some luck because while he is fighting a killer he is training with Derek james yes i said it Derek james this may be old news to some of you who have already been listening to the show, but this is a reminder for all of the people who have forgotten exactly where Ryan Garcia is located. He's out in Texas doing some great work with Derek James. He's got company such as Earl Spence Jr. He's got company such as Jermel Charlo. We do know now that Jermel is still with Roy Jones Jr., he hasn't rejoined his brother yet in Texas, but we hope to see him there in camp soon for that Jose Benavidez matchup. He's got companies such as Anthony Joshua. Yes, AJ, who is rumored to be fighting Deontay Wilder on the undercard of a massive, massive undisputed championship fight between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk in December or January. I seriously hope that these guys are able to get a contract signed. I'm going to have a special segment of this episode dedicated to just that fight coming up next. But for now, let's keep discussing what's going down with these crazy, 
crazy, crazy matchups at Golden Boy because Oscar Duarte. Oh man, I, I don't know if you guys have seen any of his highlights, but he he's a killer. He's he's a killer. He's he's definitely not going to hold back, pull any punches, save himself for any feel out rounds. He is going to punish Ryan Garcia. So I hope, sincerely hope, that his defense is on point. Deontay Wilder, while currently out in Saudi Arabia enjoying the festivities out there currently, he decided to drop a heartfelt video to Anthony Joshua to once again remind him of the great, great challenge that he would be missing out on if he does not decide to sign the contract and fight him. Roll it. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I heard some things about what your promoter said that I, my last fight only lasted a short period of time that I ain't fought in a year and he don't know if, I'm, if I want to fight or not. But I'm letting you know right now, right here, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get in that ring, man. Let's let's make this the best time of our lives. This would be a, 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 a major disaster if we would never be able to get in the ring and, and put our stamp down in history, bro. You know what I mean? When people would think about classic and, 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 and great fights, I want them to think about us as well, you know? And being able to do that, we gotta get in the ring, you know? And that's just what it's all about, you know? The silliest thing I've heard is people saying that you're not ready. And that's the silliest thing because I don't believe that. I believe you're ready. I hope you're ready. I think you're ready. Let's make this happen, bro, me and you. Obviously, Deontay Wilder isn't wrong. And I think that anyone who believes that Wilder is wrong in the situation, that he's being way too dramatic, that anything he's saying is incorrect in any capacity, you're either a boxing casual, you're very new to the sport, you know absolutely nothing about what's happening right here or why this fight would be important in the first place, or you just have a strange dislike for Deontay Wilder, which is very strange to me. To begin with, I don't know why people hate Deontay Wilder. He's a good person. He makes sure everybody is taken care of in his camp. Not just his family, but his coaches, his staff, nutritionists, all of the people who are on his team get paid. He cares greatly for his community. And not to mention, he delivers. Every single fight that Deontay Wilder has been in has been money. Even the fights that he's, he's lost, he's made money. People have come to watch this man fight because they know, guaranteed, 100%, there's going to be something crazy going down in that ring. Whether he's knocking somebody out, rocking somebody, somebody rocks him and he pulls a comeback win, there's going to be something dramatic in a Deontay Wilder fight. Need I remind you of the Dominic Brizel fight? People were confused. They had absolutely no idea why Brizel was in there with Wilder after he flattened him. They're like, wait, wait, wait. WBC champion? For, for, for a belt? Really? Brizel? He was, he was in there with Wilder? Then when it finally came time for Deontay Wilder to take on Tyson Fury, opinion shifts. Now we're in 2023. And once again, opinion shifts. People are mad at Deontay Wilder for not taking the fight with Andy Ruiz without realizing that Andy is asking for too much money. Of course, we're in an era where guys are going to have to take sacrifices. 
You're going to end up being on the short end of the stick sometimes when it comes to being paid. You might have to be that guy who takes the 20 to 25% for the opportunity of a lifetime, which is something that we have discussed before when it came to Shakur and Devin Haney. Obviously, two different situations, but they involve the exact same financial setback. Two different fighters, two different weight classes, but the exact same financial situation. Shakur is not taking 25%. Ruiz is not taking 25%. And the A-side is going to have to walk and make a bigger fight. And unfortunately, you might have to be the guy watching the undisputed fight, wishing that you had that opportunity and taking it. Obviously, that is what's going to happen to Ruiz. If, of course, once again, he isn't able to get a deal done between himself and Wilder before anything ends up going into motion as far as the heavyweight division. Because this right now is putting all of the pieces into place to have a grid. Think about it like this. Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk on one side. Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder on another. Komain. The bottom two could be anybody. You could mix it up. You could put Zilei Zhang in there against Andy Ruiz. You have to be creative. And a lot of people are thinking about this in the exact same way that the heavyweight tournament was designed in the 90s. The exact same tournament that resulted in Mike Tyson becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So if we can have that happen, this is great for the heavyweight division. It's a dream, obviously, a dream. Might not be far off, but of course, knowing boxing politics, the way contracts work, gathering all of these guys into one place at one time is gonna be a little difficult. So it's still good to have hope, but I do need to remind you guys that this is a dream. Yes, sir, Adrian, the problem. Broner, the can man, is back on December 2nd against Chris Howard. And this is confirmed to be taking place at 147 pounds. This is set to be a 10-rounder. I'm very excited for it. I hope that Broner takes over the division somehow, some way. We got to get him with a belt. Either at 140 or 147, we need him with a belt, bro. We got to get Broner with a belt somehow, please. We need the can man with something. Anybody can get it. Africans, Americans, Dominicans. No disrespect to no law firm out there, but attorney just got it. Anybody can get it. There are a lot of people saying, oh, Broner can't get a fight. Broner doesn't deserve this. He's not going to make it back to the top. When there's pretty much an entire list of names that anyone can just choose for Broner. There's so many people at 140 and 147 who Broner could fight, and I don't understand why people are forgetting that. People are acting as if Broner isn't still him. He's still the can man. He's still that guy. He obviously has personal issues that he needs to work through, but he's still him. Give him a chance. All right, everybody, that just about wraps up everything I wanted to talk with you guys about for this week. 
Whew. We're going to have a very long conversation about the UFC next week, guys. Just please keep your ears and eyes open for that. This is going to be 100% serious. I want you guys to lock in on that. Next week, we are going to be discussing the John Jones situation. Islam, Shara, Bullet, and his amazing performance. That boy had crazy Tekken combos. I had no idea what was going on with that kid. But it will be a UFC-centric episode. Obviously, we still do have to get all of our other combat sports in. But we're going to be talking about the UFC specifically for the most part. I know all my MMA heads have been fiending for it. A lot of guys have been asking for me to cover one FC as well. We will be getting on that as soon as possible. But nonetheless, I want you guys to take care of yourselves. Make sure you watch some boxing this weekend. There is a lot going down on the smaller cards. So if you're streaming, if you're watching it legally, make sure your eyes and ears are also focused on cards besides the Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. Because that is going to be taking place earlier in the day. The main event is supposed to be scheduled for five on the East Coast. So that's going to be earlier in the day. If you're looking for some boxing at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock, please make sure you guys check out The Zone and ESPN Plus's offerings. I am sure there are going to be some great fights this Saturday night. Now, without further ado, this is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I. The Tigre telling you once again to take care of yourself, make sure you're eating good, get some boxing in your system. I love you all. Thank you so much for choosing my show for your weekly source of combat sports, lifestyle, news, and analysis. Treat your body like the temple that it is. Be safe and God bless.